kids, and they, the best they could the best they could come up with was that they were on they were at the Tarrytown Rest Center. I'm trying to help a friend of mine. Uh, his sister took his his girls camping. They're, they're very young girls. The oldest is nine. The girls the girls just called in distress. They said that the, the aunt is driving very erratically. We think she's sick. The aunt isn't picking up the cell phone right now. first ever Patreon episode. Today we will be discussing a case from outside of Australia and New Zealand. This case comes from the US and it is something a little bit different for us because there is a big question of whether this is seen as a crime or just a really sad accident. Either way this is an extremely devastating and interesting event and it took place on Sunday the 26th of July 2009. Diane Schuler has been described as an amazing mother, wife, sister and friend. Nobody can dispute that she was a successful woman who was taking charge and making the most of life. She was born in 1973 and was the fourth child and only daughter of Warren and Eileen Hans. Her childhood wasn't always easy though. At nine years of age, Diane's mother abandoned the family, leaving Diane to be raised by her father. Reportedly, she stepped up to her new role as the woman of the house. After Diane's mother left, there wasn't a lot of contact between the two and Diane chose not to talk about this situation. But she did vow to be everything to her children that her mother wasn't. Diane grew up being known as fun, loud, and the class clown. Everyone who speaks of her describes her as having a big personality. She met her husband Daniel at a friend's wedding, and the two fell in love quickly. Daniel was Diane's first and only love. Daniel was reportedly madly in love with Diane. He was drawn to her motherly maternal ways, when it came to their relationship, she was the boss and the one who made all the household decisions. But it wasn't just at home that Diane was in charge. She was also very successful at her job. She was the director of a credit, billing and collections at Cablevision, a telecommunications company, and this allowed her to be the breadwinner for her family. She was reportedly on an annual salary of around 100000 a year. One of her co-workers describes her as being good at everything she did and very intelligent. Not only was Diane the breadwinner for her family, but she was also known to be a bit of a supermum. With many of her friends and family members wondering how she was able to find the time to keep up with everything that she did, and how she made it look so easy. She had to be super organised to stay on top of it all. She also donated to charity, volunteered her time, and chaperoned at her children's school. So she sounds like quite an amazing woman, really. She's juggling this home life and this work life and everyone speaks so highly of her so she yeah. really sounds like an incredible woman. She sounds like you're sort of the poster woman for your average supermom I feel yeah. like she's working hard, she's raising her family, she's doing everything, she's got that perfect housewife, Stepford wife kind of image down it seems. Yeah. Must be hard though. On the 26th of July 2009 Diane and her husband Daniel were wrapping up a family camping trip to Parksville in upstate New York. 
They were there with their two children, Brian, five, and Erin, two, and their three nieces, Emma, eight, Alison, seven, and Kate, five. The couple woke up early that morning at approximately 5am and began packing up, letting the children sleep in until around 8am. According to Daniel, they woke up the kids and had two cups of coffee each before it was time to leave. Daniel was going to take the truck with the camper attached and the dog, and Diane was going to take the minivan with all the children. Reportedly, Daniel kissed everyone goodbye and began to make his way home. It had reportedly been a great weekend, with lots of swimming, hiking and roasting marshmallows involved. There was also a playroom for the kids at the campsite. The campsite was called Hunter Lake Campground and everyone had had a ball. They were also all ready to go home at this point. At approximately 9am, Diane's eldest niece, Emma Hans, placed a phone call to her dad, Diane's brother, Warren Hans, letting him know all was well and they were on their way home. She reportedly sounded happy. The campground owner reported that everything seemed fine when the family left the campground and there was no concern for the safety of anyone in the car. Initially, as they left the campground, Diane followed Daniel until they got to McDonald's where Diane was planning to stop and get breakfast with the children while Daniel continued on home. Diane entered the McDonald's with the children at approximately 9.56am. And while McDonald's staff remembered Diane, they don't remember having any concerns about her sobriety or state of mind. She didn't smell like alcohol. All seemed well and the family ate their breakfast as the kids played on the playground before heading back out on the road again. So it all seems very normal at this point. Yeah. At 10.46am, the minivan was captured on CCTV footage pulling into a Sunoco service station and stopping at the petrol bowsers. We see Diane exit the minivan, leaving the children in the car and making her way to the store. She enters the store and reportedly asks the attendant whether they have pain medication. She is told that they don't and she leaves with nothing. The attendant reported that he didn't notice any signs of intoxication and Diane appeared steady on her feet in the CCTV footage. We see the car pull out of the service station, quickly but not swerving. At 11.37am, Diane Shuler places a call to her sister-in-law and the mother of her nieces, Jackie Hance, and lets her know that they're running a little late. Reportedly, she also asks for tickets to a play that the girls will be performing in later that day. Jackie reported that at this stage, everything seemed fine on the phone. At 12pm, witnesses who were travelling south on the same throughway as Diane was travelling report that her vehicle was coming up very quickly to the right of them and erratically changing lanes, cutting off other cars, which were swerving out of the way to avoid her. The swerving of Diane's car appeared to be very precise and controlled, but still very dangerous. Witnesses recall seeing the children's head in the back swaying back and forth with the swerving of the minivan. So obviously at this point, something has changed from when we've seen her at McDonald's on the CCTV and at the Sunoco station on the CCTV. Like something's changed yeah, all of a sudden in her demeanor. She's erratic. She's yeah. driving out of control. And this was not something that was within her character. Like she was not known to be like an erratic driver or anything like this. So this is now of concern and other drivers around her are becoming concerned with her behavior. Yeah. And also the time lapse that has taken place there is interesting. So from the research I've done, she's only roughly 40, 45 minutes from the campground to her house. So the fact that we're now at 12 p.m., um, they did stop at McDonald's, they did stop at a service station, but we've lost a lot of time between them leaving. So it's been three hours for a drive that should have taken 40-something minutes. Yeah, and even with a stop at McDonald's, even if it was an hour stop at McDonald's, we've still got time missing. So what's happened in that time? And why has this switch taken place? Yeah. Half an hour later, at around 12.30pm, 
Diane pulls up quickly behind another witness, beeping at them, high-beaming them, and trying to pass on an exit into a rest area off the throughway. The witnesses were extremely concerned about her dangerous driving and thought she must be a crazy person. As they got into the rest area, Diane veered off into the truck stop area as the couple continued into the car rest area. The couple noticed that it looked like Diane had gotten out of her car and was maybe vomiting. She was hunched over. When the couple came out of the restrooms, Diane was gone. The couple now wishes that they had confronted Diane when they had the chance because maybe they would have seen the children and been able to assist Diane, possibly preventing what was to come. Of course, the tragedy that followed was in no way their fault. At 12.55pm, multiple wrong numbers were dialed from Diane's mobile phone. We are unsure whether these were made by Diane or whether it was one of the children trying to call for help. At 1pm, Diane called Jackie Hance and at this point she was actually sounding disorientated. The call to Jackie ends abruptly after two and a half minutes. Warren Hance, which is Diane's brother, immediately calls Diane back and she didn't sound like herself. She was disorientated and actually called him Danny, which was her husband's name. Warren knew something that was wrong and he was trying to figure out where they were so that he could come and get them. He got his older daughter Emma on the phone and she was upset and reportedly he could hear the other kids upset in the background. Emma told her dad where they were and Warren raced out to try and find them. At 1.10pm, another three wrong numbers were dialed from Diane's phone and by 1.15pm, when Warren tried to contact Diane, she had reportedly left her phone on the guardrail at the Teppensey Bridge, so he kept getting her voicemail. Not long after this, witnesses report Diane in the minivan entering an exit ramp on the Teutonic Parkway and coming towards the highway the wrong way, heading southbound in a northbound lane. And obviously it's a highway, so we're Cars talking... Cars going fast. Yeah. yeah. So Diane drove quickly at an estimated 70 miles per hour, which is 112 kilometres per hour for us Australians. That's extremely fast. Really, really fast. She didn't swerve to avoid oncoming traffic, and witnesses describe it as being like playing a game of chicken. So they were being forced to move out of the way as her minivan sped towards them. She was not moving at all. Um, reportedly the witnesses were honking their horns at her to warn her that she was going the wrong way but their warnings were being ignored she made it nearly two miles before the minivan hit a chevy trailblazer head on sending the chevy into a third car which was a chevy tracker the minivan hurtled down a median strip and rolled over and the front of the car burst into flames Witnesses at the scene rushed to assist the occupants of the three involved vehicles. The occupants of the third car, the Chevy Tracker, maintained only minor injuries in the collision. However, the occupants of the minivan and trailblazer were not so lucky. Police, paramedics and the fire department attended the scene. In the Chevy Trailblazer, three men were found deceased. Their IDs were checked and it was discovered that they were Guy Bastardi, 49, Michael Bastardi, 81 and Daniel Longo, 74. The three men were on their way to a family cookout in Yorktown when they were struck by the minivan. The driver, Guy, was driving his father Michael and family friend Daniel to enjoy a meal. Unfortunately, all three men were pronounced deceased at the scene. Understandably, the Longo and Bastardi families were devastated by the news and desperately wanted answers for why this had happened to their loved ones. As you would. As you would, yeah. It's just so sad. Car accidents are just that really scary, unpredictable, yeah. everyone drives a car, and in this case they were literally doing nothing wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As witnesses approached the minivan to assist its occupants, Diane's body fell from the vehicle and was covered by a blanket. She was deceased. 
Unfortunately, so were her daughter Erin and two nieces, Alison and Emma. Little Kate was transported to the hospital but was unfortunately pronounced deceased upon arrival. There was one survivor in the minivan and that was Diane's then five-year-old son, Brian Shuler. He was transported by ambulance to Westchester Medical Centre. At this stage, Diane's brother and sister-in-law, the parents of the three children in the crash, were still unaware of what had happened. Jackie Hance was making calls to the police to try and report a medical emergency with Diane Shuler. She was concerned that maybe her sister-in-law was behaving strangely due to a stroke or a cardiac incident. Eventually, the horrible news was broken to them about what had happened. In one incident, they had lost all three of their beautiful daughters. It's just horrible. Yeah, and you can imagine, I think um, from what I've read, that was her life. She yeah. was a stay-at-home yeah. mum. I think even if it wasn't imagine. your life, even if you weren't in that stay-at-home mum role, yeah. that's your life. If you've got three kids... It's always going to be your life. It's always going to be everything. On the 30th of July, 2009... 1,000 mourners attended a funeral for Diane, Erin, Emma, Ellison and Kate at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church in Floral Park, New York. Warren Hance thanked the community for its support and expressed his relief that his nephew Brian had survived the crash despite losing his three daughters. Eventually his emotions got the better of him and he stated, Love your children, cherish your children, kiss your children. He was a broken father. At this stage, the police were stating they didn't think that Diane was intoxicated and many people agreed that it may have been a medical incident until the next day when the toxicology reports came in. Five days after the horrific crash, the toxicology report came in. It was revealed that Diane had a blood alcohol level of 0.19, so the legal limit is 0.08. It was stated that this equated to around 10 standard drinks that had been metabolised by Diane's body and there were also reports that she had a further 10 standard drinks in her body that were not yet metabolised. She also had a high level of THC in her system, which is the active ingredient in marijuana. Our bodies do naturally produce some THC, but not in the amounts that were found in Diane's body. And that also may explain a phone call that we haven't mentioned yet either, um, where the eldest daughter, Emma Hance, actually calls her dad, and she's saying, I'm really worried about Aunt Diane. She can't see. There's something wrong with Aunt Diane. And she's sort of, and she's only eight, so she's seeing that something's wrong. Like Diane's saying she can't see. Obviously, the kids are all like really scared. She's just, yeah, explaining to her dad that she's scared and she doesn't know what's happening. So, this from... is probably also what led them to think medical incident. Mm. But obviously, once the toxicology reports come out, you wonder, was she so intoxicated that maybe she wasn't Able functioning and the kids were concerned about that well it's a lot of alcohol considering how quickly it was consumed so even i think 10 drinks like you might have 10 drinks over the course of a long night drinking but it, within four hours something yeah and, and it wasn't even 10, within the four hours yeah. because she'd went to oh, mcdonald's she'd been the, to the sunoco yeah. station and she'd been fi fine so most likely it was actually after she'd been to the petrol station so it was probably even within, shorter time yeah frame. within the two hours that she'd consumed all that that's a lot yeah so the toxicology reports changed everything in the public's eye people were shocked and horrified that a responsible mother and woman was driving with a large amount of alcohol and marijuana in her system with five children in the car there were mixed reports flying around everywhere while daniel maintained that diane was not a big drinker and he had never seen her intoxicated there was reports from a co-worker of Diane's who stated that she was a regular at a local bar where she would commiserate about the stresses in her life and her failing marriage. Daniel denies that there were any issues in the couple's marriage. 
Just to point out too, there was a smashed 1.7 litre bottle of absolute vodka found in the destroyed minivan, so it's probable that this was what Diane was drinking. So Daniel actually claims that with that vodka bottle, that was something that they would take back and forth to their campground. So from what I can gather, they are regulars at this campground. So yeah. it's kind of like their weekend escape. So Daniel's claim is that this vodka bottle is actually more for Daniel. And it travelled around with them. Yeah, so it came back and forward from the camper van that they stay in at this at this caravan park. So that's his claim. So it's not, he says Diane doesn't even drink yeah. the vodka. It's and it actually... wasn't to binge drink like the vodka. Like it wasn't like they're doing shots of vodka. They'd put a little bit in like a pina colada or, you know, I don't know, one of those kind of drinks, like a daiquiri or something yeah. like that. They would just have like a little bit here and there and their mixed drinks. And it would actually, yeah, go back and forward, back yeah. and forward, which actually. That's according to Daniel. That's according to Daniel. And I know Oprah was very confused about that when they did the Oprah interview, yeah. if you're interested in that, because she just couldn't. And I kind of agree, like. Why is it coming back and forward? Like, why aren't you just leaving it at the caravan? Or leaving it in the camp? Or what? And why was it in Diane's car? Because they borrowed that minivan off Diane's brother. So, and if they were packing all their belongings into the um, into their camper van, why was the vodka in the minivan? Yeah, you'd think if it was just something that kind of came back and forth in their luggage, it would be with all the rest of their luggage, not with Diane and the kids in the car. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that amount of alcohol that she had in her system, that's not beers. Like, it just, you would have to, she wouldn't have enough time. Like, yeah. th- that many drinks, it is a spirit. Like, And one thing about vodka is it catches up with you quickly. Yeah. Like, you can have a couple of shots and go, oh, this is not affecting me, so I'm just going to have a couple more shots. Yeah. And before you know it... You're literally yeah, gone. Yeah, you've had, a, you've had a bit. So Yeah, which is why it wouldn't... Yeah, it absolutely wouldn't surprise me if that was the bottle. We can't say for sure. No, but, but it, the was fact the it was the bottle found the crash. She had she, alcohol in her system. Yeah, and it was clearly a spirit just because it's that, that substantial amount. There wasn't enough time to consume 20 beers yeah. in that time. And plus there'd probably be evidence of that as well. So you can put two and two together or, we, or you could obviously not. But yeah. I feel like... In my opinion, clearly, come yeah. on, that's the bottle that she's been drinking. So initially it was denied that Diane used marijuana and it did come out eventually that she used marijuana occasionally to unwind after a long day. But there were also some people that reported that she was actually a very regular marijuana user and that she would often use marijuana in place of pain medication. There were people that said she didn't believe in pain medication um, so we, as the public, we don't really know what the truth is regarding the regularity of her intake of either alcohol or marijuana. Um, it's possible that there are members of her family that know more than they're publicly stating, but all we can do is speculate. So with that, we're going to run through a few of the public theories that have been kind of thrown around. So actually, um, on the documentary, There's Something Wrong With Aunt Diane, which is a documentary that's directly related to this case, there's a friend of hers that's sort of her supporter, um, I've forgotten her name off the Jay. top of my head. Jay, is it? That's her sister-in-law, her, Jay. Her sister-in-law, that's the one. So, yeah, Jay claims that she was like a marijuana smoker, but it was once she'd put the kids to bed, once the washing was done, laundry was folded, she'd smoke a, like a joint or something to help her sort of relax and help her sleep. But the way, if you watch the documentary, the way she said it, it's like, well, she clearly was a smoker. Like, I don't judge her for smoking. That's fine. No, she might have not. had a joint at night time before she went to bed. That is totally okay. But then it was just interesting to hear Daniel's version, which was like, no, 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 not that weekend. No, she doesn't. And, like, yeah. it was just kind of interesting because that makes me go, well, hang on, if Daniel clearly either doesn't know or is lying about this, then... What else is he lying what's about? What's with the alcohol? Like, is the alcohol actually a thing? Because yeah. 
they worked very different hours. So he was the night shift, she was the day shift. So he may not know she has an alcohol problem. Yeah. Vodka and there's many also, functioning yeah. alcoholics that like that Absolutely. have a partner and they go for years. Yeah. And their partner never even knows that they're a functioning alcoholic. And vodka's a easy drink to hide. Yeah. Pop it in your coffee. Doesn't have a strong smell either. Pop it in your soft drink. Yeah. Sounds like you know a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so just back to those theories. The first theory is held by Diane's husband, Daniel, and sister-in-law, Jay. And you can see them pursuing this theory in the documentary that we just spoke about, There's Something Wrong With Aunt Diane, which can be found on YouTube. They believe that there has to be some sort of medical explanation for why Diane had alcohol and THC in her system. They state that they believe Diane had a stroke or similar, and that is why she was behaving erratically. They also deny any possibility that the crash was a result of Diane being a drunk driver. How can they deny any possibility of that? They do though. They yeah. are in complete denial. Do they? They obviously a, a, They obviously believe that the. I think they just believe that they know her well enough to know that that is not the case. Either that, or they're trying to protect her memory. I think it comes down to one of those two things from their point of view, because the toxicology reports don't lie. People lie. So, but yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that stuck out to me most in the documentary was the amount of denial that Daniel and Jay appeared to be in. Even when they were confronted by one of the leading professionals in the forensic pathology field, Dr. Werner Spitz, who emphatically states the toxicology reports for Diane were correct, she was intoxicated. They just, they couldn't accept it. So it's almost awkward to watch the doctor trying to be kind while also trying to hammer home the fact that he agrees with the original pathologist and Daniel and Jay just, they didn't seem to be able to accept that that's what he was saying. He was saying... Um, he doesn't know why she was intoxicated, but she was. So there's kind of many reasons why they could be in denial. Um, I think one would be a genuine reason that they want to protect her like identity and they don't want her, their loved one to be known as a woman who drunkenly killed that many people. Yeah, and for the, her son as well. Yeah. So obviously she still has a son alive. So I think, like, I think Daniel especially, because obviously it's his... I think Daniel in particular, because obviously it's his son too. He wouldn't want his son to grow up thinking his mum was just this drunk driver, obviously, who caused this horrible accident. I think also because they, possibly because they knew her so well, maybe there was a side of her that they didn't know and the side of her that they did know, they just genuinely could not Mm. comprehend. Like, I mean, for me, just say you got in a similar situation tomorrow and you got into a car accident it turned out you had like a high blood alcohol level. I would find that very hard to believe just because I know you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But how do I know that you don't have like a secret drinking problem and not sp- with you every second of the day? Yeah. And I suppose at the same time as well, like I, you can sometimes be like, well, hang on. How do, how do Daniel and Jay know that those toxicology reports were definitely hers, was definitely her DNA? How do they ever well, know they that do, for sure? But they do because it's been confirmed. Like they have but checked her DNA multiple times. But who's they? I guess, so what you're saying is how can they trust? Yeah, they have to trust somebody to know this. They have to trust someone. And I'm not trying to be a conspiracy person here, but there are things that we find out years and years later, oh, sorry, we mixed this or we made a mistake. Like, I feel like that is what they're holding on to. Like, it's all they have they can hold on to at this point. And, like, I definitely don't think that that's the case, but I I can see why they would be holding on to anything. But it is hard to watch watching, like, a, like, really like, well-known doctor basically trying to explain it to them. And it's almost like 
they just take anything that he says and twist it into like yeah. something that suits. Yeah, they their ended narrative. up thinking he was actually positive on it. It was a yeah, bit weird. And it was like they were yeah. like, "Thank you so much." And it's like, well, he did kind of just yeah. confirm that she was. And if you don't know what I'm, what we're talking about, definitely watch this documentary. There's something wrong with Aunt Diane. On just chuck it on on YouTube. It's great. It's yeah. really sad but good documentary. Yeah. Highly recommend. Very sad though. It is actually very sad. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. Like. Just a warning. There's some sort of. It's very emotional. It will mm. leave you feeling empty inside. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's horrible. Well, yeah, we're talking about four children and four adults. Yeah. yeah. So there was also another scene in the movie that stuck out a little bit for me, and it's where um, Diane's sister-in-law Jay she's having a cigarette, um, and the camera goes on her, and she says, "Oh no, now my family are going to know that I smoke." So for me, that kind of gave the impression that she felt the the need to hide that she was having a cigarette. Which makes me wonder if Diane also felt the need to hide that she was like a regular marijuana smoker or a drinker. Maybe it wasn't accepted in the family. So um, maybe that's also why Daniel feels like he needs to protect Diane's reputation so that the family doesn't look down on her, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. That makes sense. So the next theory we have is at the other end of the spectrum, and that's that Diane may have been... So the next theory that's out there is at the other end of the spectrum, and that's that Diane was actually a closet alcoholic and that she knowingly drank the absolute vodka and smoked the marijuana despite being responsible for getting five children home safely. It's fairly well known that functioning alcoholics become pretty skilled at hiding their drinking problems. And I did actually read some stories in my research where um, where alcoholics actually came out as an alcoholic and their families were shocked and never even realised that they were alcoholics. So it is possible that Diane was function and a functioning alcoholic without anyone actually knowing about it. But I must admit, I still find it, even if she was a func- high-functioning alcoholic... It still seems out of the realm of possibility that she actually... Okay, yeah, so she's obviously drunk. If she's an alcoholic, she knows what she can drink. She drinks. Like, you would just get the kids home and go yeah. sit in the backyard and pretend you're gardening and have some drinks. Like, yeah. why would you do it? So I just can't... Yeah, I can't I, get I around can't, that one. I can't get around that one, no. which brings us to the next okay, one. Okay, I cannot get around that one. The next theory is somewhere in between. Did Diane suffer from some sort of pain, a headache or a toothache, and feel the need to self-medicate? Maybe because the service station had no pain medication for her, she felt the only way to stop the pain was to consume the alcohol. Did she maybe consume it too fast, not realising how much she had consumed? Maybe she decided to try a method of pain relief she had used before, smoking marijuana. It is well documented that the combination of marijuana and alcohol is not a great one. Reportedly, the mix of alcohol and marijuana can induce nausea and vomiting. We know Diane was seen getting sick earlier in the day. The mix of the two drugs has also been known to cause panic, anxiety, paranoia, and in extreme cases, psychotic symptoms. It is possible that Diane was already extremely stressed with her role as an executive, supermum, and whatever else she had on her plate, and combining this with the mix of drugs pushed her over the edge in her vulnerable state. The truth is, for now, we don't know what happened to Diane Shuler, and we can only speculate. So for me personally, I think that that is probably the most likely theory. Like, I can understand when you're in a lot of pain, if you've got a migraine or a really bad toothache, I've had both. Maybe she just really wanted to get home and she just wanted the pain to go away. And because she was in such a vulnerable state already, she was stressed. We don't really know what was going on in her personal life. Maybe she just made a mistake and she misjudged how much alcohol she was drinking and it just spiralled out of control from there. Is there another theory where this was intentional? Where she was just... 
because she is the super mom. She is that high executive person. Some people might get into all that posi- get into that position, and when they feel stressed, it's just too, too much. much. And you, some people do go out with a like. Not yeah. that she intentionally tried to kill four children and all these people, but just like she intentionally was just like, I've had enough, and just yeah. Starts... I think that is a theory out there. Like that's not yeah. my theory. I'm just saying that could pretend. Like I'm just thinking. I just I can I don't know. Every I mean, single theory the sounds so insane. Every yeah. theory sounds like it just couldn't be possible to me. I mean, for me, I do think that self medication one sounds the most plausible. But at the same time, people have mental breakdowns. Yeah. Just about life in general, not even bringing the alcohol and stuff into it. Like the alcohol could have been a result of a mental break. Like she may have had a mental break and then taken the alcohol and just gone. I'm just I'm I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to comprehend a super mum taking down the kids with her. Yeah. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Just with all the um, testimony coming from everyone on that documentary, it just seems like she wouldn't do anything intentionally to harm the children. There was um, some people missing from the documentary, though, and I don't know that I can understand absolutely why they were not on the documentary, but I would be interested to sort of know what her brother and sister-in-law, the parents of those three children... Because they might know more. Like, the people in the documentary were very in favour of Diane. Everyone was saying how amazing she was. She was the perfect this, the perfect that. And sometimes you do find that when someone passes away. Yeah. Everyone is just like, they were amazing. Like, I've even seen it with people that I know in my life when they've passed away. All of a sudden... You only think of all the good yeah, things. Which yeah, which is not a bad thing. Not I'm actually bad. glad that's how the way we are. But at the same time... Well, we don't know Diane. Like, we know she was obviously an amazing mother. We she, know what we're told about yeah. her, but that's all... We don't through. know that she didn't have a maybe a little bit of... Like, obviously, she had that bit of a tough start to life as well. So we don't know that she wasn't sort of on and off depression. Like, we don't know that she didn't have any sort of mental illness. Like, obviously, bipolar can sometimes... Um, and even schizophrenia. I'm not saying she has either of those. But we don't know for sure. We just don't know yeah. the whole story. So I definitely can't come to any sort of a theory myself. I don't have a theory. I just find it all very sad. So sad. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine what um, Warren and Jackie Hans are going through, but obviously they've actually had um, another pregnancy and child since yeah, then, so that's, that's something It's positive. something. And Brian's still around, Brian's and he's well. a happy young I couldn't boy. really find many updates about him at this time. I'm sure yeah. they're just trying to keep him out of the public Absolutely. eye, but he was doing well um, the documentary. Yeah, in the documentary and soon after as well. Mm.